Welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Grow My Salon Business Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and as usual, it's great to have you here with us today. A hairdressing career can take you to many places and enable you to meet many people from all walks of life. Most of us are probably drawn into this industry because of the fashion and creative aspects that a hairdressing career presents. But there are some who use this skill with scissor and comb to give back to society in another way. And my guest today is one such person. Stuart Roberts is founder of Haircuts for Homeless, a registered charity in the UK and Ireland that's grown into an army of over 600 volunteers working through 80 different outlets where to date they've given over 50,000 haircuts to the homeless. As Stuart says, it's not a job, it's a calling. Now, during the recording of this episode, I unfortunately forgot to ask Stuart about being awarded an MBE from Princess Anne, which for our non-Commonwealth listeners, an MBE means a member of the British Empire, which is a pretty big deal and was in recognition of his work with the homeless. And personally, I can't think of anyone more deserving. Now, like every guest I have on the podcast, Stuart donated his time. And if you would like to find out more about what he does and how you can help support him, then visit haircutsforhomeless.com. And that's four as in the numeral. So haircutsforhomeless.com. And I'll put those links in today's show notes. So with that said, on with today's episode. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Stuart Roberts. Thanks for having me, Anthony. Pleasure to be here with you. Stuart, it's my pleasure to have you here. I've uh, I've been trying to get you for a little while, as you know. You know, we've, you, you've had a busy year. I've had a busy year. I suppose everyone's had a busy year, haven't they? But it, yeah. it's good that we've finally managed to hook up because uh, I'm really excited about talking to you. So, look, um, a lot of my audience will not know who you are because a lot of them are not English. Uh, so what I'd like to do is to start off with you introducing yourself. So why don't you just give us your sort of two minute backstory? Who is Stuart Roberts? Give us your sort of overview just for a couple of minutes. Uh, and then we'll sort of jump in and explore the, the back catalogue, so to speak. No problem. Uh, yeah, my name's Stuart Roberts. I've been a hairdresser for 44 years because I was 60 this year. Um, I... I have been, I love hairdressing. <laughs> I was just going to say, why, why I hesitated there is I was just going to say I love hairdressing, which I do now. But I, I sort of later in my career, I've become really punch drunk and I sort of fell out of love with it. And what made me fall back in love with it was seeing a guy called Mark Bustos in America cutting guys' hair on the street. And it led me to do it in England. And the day I'd done my first homeless haircut session, I completely fell back in love with hairdressing. And that really got me got me going, which was eight years ago yesterday. Wow. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I've been doing it eight years. We've, we've, uh, and yesterday we opened our 80th site in the UK. That's eight zero. So, you know, and, and we've got 600 volunteers. And I was saying it for quite a while, but it must be up to about 50,000 free haircuts we've given out. Wow. So... As an overview, that's pretty much me. That's your that's your life. That is, as far as hairdressing goes, it's all yeah. about haircuts for the homeless now. You don't work in a salon doing clients, or do you? No, 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 no. no, right. no. I lost my business in 2018. Yeah. I did it for 30 years, and it's quite common now in the UK. Uh, the landlord chose to double the rent, and at that point, it was just not viable anymore. So the only – and it was all hit us. It hit us really quick, so – yeah. It was a matter of just closing the doors and wrapping up the business, which was really sad. Yeah. But then it's proved to be one of the, it's not anything. It was five years of hanging on and too long, really. It was already, you know, on its last legs, I think, really. And that was the, the final nail in the coffin. And uh, 
I pretty, I'm very nearly at a breakdown when I lost, because a long time, long chunk of your life to lose yeah. in, in such an abrupt fashion. Uh, having said that, it's opened the door for me to give my time fully to Aircuts for Homeless and so much more happy now than, than I was for many years. Good. Okay. All right. So we're going to dig into that whole haircuts for the homeless thing. It, it's funny that you just said what you said about how you lost the salon. I was just, I'm looking for it at the moment. Uh, I, I saw a quote about an hour ago and uh, I sort of collect quotes and I saw this quote and it was from the Dalai Lama. And, and now that I'm trying to find it, I can't find it, but basically it said, it said something like, um, sometimes not getting what you want is a blessing in disguise i'm yeah. paraphrasing it's not the exact words but yeah. it's that thing of like you lost your salon after all these years landlord doubled the rent your whole world collapses but actually that was you you wouldn't have it any other way you wouldn't wind the you if you could wind the clock back you wouldn't change that it was a blessing in disguise not just for you but for a lot of other people as a result but let's yeah. before we before we dig into the haircuts for the homeless thing um let, let's just talk a little bit about your own backstory and uh yeah um i know you're quite open about talking about all that so what yeah. what drew you in that direction in the first place well, I, I, this year I was 16 years sober, so I, I'm in recovery, uh, yeah. drinking drugs. Um, and I found out early on in recovery that part of it is to, to hang on to it. You have to help other people. Uh, it's all about, it's just, it's mainly about um, alcoholics and, and drug dependents. We're selfish creatures. It's all about us, self-centered, self-absorbed. So the only way really to break away from that is to think of other people mm. um, and working with enough, you know, in, in, in I, I go, I go to AA, there's lots of other stuff, but then people, it, you know, it's like, um, you want to help yourself help another alcoholic. Well, it, it had already been doing that for about eight years. And then I saw Mark doing these wonderful street makeovers and I was already volunteering in the um, Salvation Army. I was, I was just going over there and doing a bit of um, buddying up with guys, you know, just saying about my experience and, you know, uh, trying to help them with that drink and drug thing. And then I thought, oh, well, next week I'll come in and I'll do an hour early and I'll do some haircuts. And that's, you know, yeah, all it was meant to be. Uh, uh, but that was the one that really got me. And you were already sober by that time? Yeah, I was about eight years sober by then. Right. Uh, okay. I was eight and eight. 16 yeah, yeah. 16 yeah that would do that <laughs> <laughs> I was about eight years over yeah, yeah. um and, and yeah yeah it was it was uh i mean it, that, that's the thing people say you know what gave you the idea it's like anything it just evolved yeah and then it was only supposed to ever be me on a monday doing a few air cuts yeah it was then you know it was um it was a new thing in the uk i don't think anyone was doing it at the time yeah uh, there are a lot of people doing it but i don't think they really go back eight years and it was the fact that um it, other people wanted to help because hairdressers are very giving people yeah and i did the old social media bit as well which not everyone agrees with but it's what's created our, our, our charity it, it's, it's created that sort of people wanting to get on board yeah you know it's a visual thing and it's like you know oh, i love what you're doing let me let me come and help and then other centers were starting to say you know like can you come to us but there's always a tipping point in life, even like in a business, if you're setting up a business, there's that tipping point where you're push, 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 push. And it just tips past that. And it's gradually people asked you come, 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 you know, yeah. and originally I remember years of contacting homeless centers of, all oh, right, we'll now go, we, you know, we, we've gone to Chelsea, we've gone to South End. Um, we're going to go to Brighton because I know there's a big problem now. And it's that knocking on doors and saying to someone who runs a, um, a homeless centre, um, I want to come and cut hair for your guests. And it's like, well, what do you want to do that for? You know, and it was that no one, no one was buying it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah. You know, it's great, you know, because they weren't, they hadn't been seen so much, you know. So <laughs> but eventually it's the tipping point, and yeah. which came when we were on the National Lottery TV advert. Um, so once we, we was on, and it was mainstream, it was like on Saturday nights and 
after in Zebra, you get me out of here, all of that stuff. It, we, we was prime adver, advertising, and that really took it off then. Okay, so just just going back to to you, I'm just curious about your personal journey because obviously there's a strong connection between your personal journey yeah. and these people that you helped. What was the trigger that you've talked about tipping point a couple of times? What was the tipping point for you to go, I need to get sober here, I need to get my act together? Uh, I had lots, but I kept ignoring them. They call it hitting a rock bottom, didn't they? Right. Okay. My, I, my, my bottom hit the rock bottom and it just skidded along the bottom because every yeah. time, okay. you know, what yeah. we do, we justify. So, you know, I'd have this, I'd wake up. What happens to you? I don't know, you know, anyone out there who's, who's like one of my lot would understand the waking up and the feeling of absolute sickness in the pit of your stomach, uh, the, the disorientation of like, oh my God, what have I done? You know, like normally like you're woken up and you're not, in the, you're not, you're not at home. So yeah. you know, all of these things, you know, and you, 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 you get to the point where uh, oh, I've got to change, I must change. But then nothing, you don't take any action. Yeah. So within a couple of days, it's like, oh, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't my fault. They shouldn't have done this. They shouldn't have done that. Mm. And you carry on again. Yeah, you know, yeah. that can go, that probably went on for years. I, I know I had a problem way back young. Yeah. And it took me to 44 to hit that bottom enough times. Um, and what it was, my, I won't spend too long in it, but my, my, do my daughter, um, my family, my family were all in the musical theatre. We've got four kids. They was all, you know, and it was a Sunday, you know, they're going to do this matinee of this show that they were doing. And then we were going to a family dinner after. So I just wanted to get out, you know, I wasn't present. I wasn't like, you know, I didn't want to wait for them to come out from backstage. And, you know, I said, well, we're all going from, we'll, we'll meet you there. You know, so, so selfish that your kids want to come out and see you there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Horribly selfish. I've gone there. I've already had a few drinks by the time they arrive. Yeah. I found a bit of a bit of leftover cocaine in my pocket that I'd done. Because mm. I'd had that, I didn't really want to eat. My wife's looking at me going, you're not eating. She knows what's going on. Mm. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just being boorish and obnoxious. Then I want everyone to come home. Mm. They will have a party at our house Sunday evening. Everyone's got to go work on a Monday because I'm an address and I've got Monday off. I just wanted one to carry on, you know. Mm. Um, then I'll go home and get everything ready. <laughs> so she's come home with the kids. No one's with her. I'm saying, where is everyone? You, you miserable so-and-so. You've told them not to come round. I'm going to go. I'm, so I've, we've got this big cabin in the bottom of the garden. I'm in it now. We've got this cabin and I've got this party for one. So I'm having a wonderful party on a Sunday night. Yeah. You know, I know how to live. You know, I really know how to live, you know. <laughs> so I'm drinking on my own, watching rubbish and yeah. phoning people, all that stuff. And in the morning, I wake up in the cabin and I think, like, I'm in trouble. I open the windows. I see down the garden, there's, there's the kids getting ready for school. I, I walk down the garden and I'm waiting for the, you know, barrage of, uh, stuff and I open the door and there's just met with nothing. I ground them down to the point of apathy. You know, it was that. Oh. And um, she took the kids to school. She's not talking to me. And I went in the cupboard to get a drink to light, light, light myself up. And my daughter, who was about seven, had written me a note. Um, Daddy, please don't drink anymore. Wow. And, um, and that was the one that hit me. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah that, that's the one that hit me enough. Mm. That's the one that made me look for the number. That's the one that made me look, get to ring the number. Someone mm. spoke to me. I got taken to a meeting and it went on from there, but it was continual action. Mm. And, and to be honest, how we are as, 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 uh, as alcoholics and drug dependents, if I had to take an action really quickly, very soon after, I would have started to justify and I'd have said, like, you know, yeah, I bet my wife wrote that, or, you know, I, I don't know what the fuss is about and all that sort of thing, and I turned mm -hmm. it around and it would have been a, wouldn't have taken accountability. Yeah. So okay. that was, the that, was it. that was the turning point. Okay. And yeah. so, and then that's why you started volunteering at the Salvation Army, because you wanted to sort of give back. Yeah, that, you wanted that, to help. Was, 
that was some years later, you know, because yeah. that was I first had to go through the process of getting straight. You, your head's all over the place. You have to adjust. Mm. You have to change your whole life. You know, your family has to adjust around you. So there's all of that going on. And it was some years later when I really got into what I was doing and I really started to to, to realise that, that I, re- I had to seriously help other people. That, uh, that I, I just go and talk to other guys about what, what it's like, you know, mm. and that there's a possibility of change. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's the possibility of change. Because um, sometimes people, if they're in it, they don't even see any possibility of that. Mm. And to hear somebody who's been through it, 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 it does help. Yeah. And that's where it went from that. Yeah. Okay. And so that then, around that point, you see Mark Booth. So where did you where did you see something? You saw something on telly or you read something Facebook. in a magazine or what? It's Facebook. I saw Facebook. the images on Facebook, you know, and, and yeah. him doing these. That there was outside street makeovers. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was fantastic what he was doing, you know. Yeah. And, and, and I know that he's done so much more than that since. Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting because it, 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 it's, it's, it's often that thing where, as a hairdresser, if you've got something to do with your hands, there's a reason to, to be talking because you're doing two things at once, so to speak. You're talking and you're using your hands. If you go along to the Salvation Army and you're talking to someone who's homeless or whatever, someone who, you know, is, is obviously, you know, gone over the edge in terms of society so to speak they've got drink problem drug problem you know social problems in whatever way just talking to them is one thing but i suppose what i'm trying to get to here is the whole self-esteem issue that is addressed when you've got a pair of scissors and a comb in your hand because these people are homeless it's not as if they're going down the barbers once a fortnight to get their hair cut and all of a sudden and they're broke anyway and most of them or a big percentage of them if they walked into a barbers or a salon they'd be told, you know, there's the door source, that sort of thing. So what you're doing is you're giving these people some dignity. You're giving them their self-esteem back. And that's breaking down those barriers that enables you to talk to them and for them to open up. Because that's where the magic is in a lot of ways, isn't it? Am I right? Or have I bitten off more than I can chew there? No, you haven't. And that's perfectly true. It's it's the fact that, A, it's, it's empathy because I... that. that they can they can smell someone who's authentic, you know. Yeah. Like they 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 you know you, you can't just fake this stuff. You mm. the, the the connection you get instantly is that like I know where you've been, so I know, you know I've been there myself. Mm. Um, I had a guy last night, funny enough, um, and I met him, and he was he had some severe. I think he had some sort of um, uh, psychopathic tendencies, you know. Um, yeah, mental health issues. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, and he. But I started talking to him. Funny enough, the other guy was cutting his hair, but I I was talking to him. And I sat down, and it was uh, pretty quickly we we established that we was both singing from the same hymn sheet. Mm. <laughs> and uh, uh, but he, at the end of it, he said that's the longest conversation I've had in weeks. And I think there's something in that that you, you get, they get glimpses of the conversations. They don't. No one really goes deep. Mm. I've not had a real conversation like that for a long time. Um, and the, the other thing about it is that we actually lay hands on people. Yeah. So we touch, you know, we've got one of those wonderful industries that we actually, it's so, it's so special because we, we, we touch someone. Mm. You know, there are very few people, apart from your dentist and your cropodist, there's not many people that actually do that because mm. it's all sort of a, 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 a communication, you know, like a, an audio communication, you know, verbal, I should say. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, when, when, yeah, you know, like when you lay hands on someone, it's that it breaks a certain barrier. Yeah. Um, and you're talking to people, you're talking about people who have not been touched for weeks, not been spoken to. They say they feel invisible. They say they feel unheard. Um, and then, you know, what we do, and sometimes they're not, they've not showered for weeks. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine. What's really hard sometimes is that the simple thing of uh, the lovely thing of having a shower. Yeah. What happens is you come back and you think the next day or, or the, that evening or where, whenever it is, I really enjoy my shower because <laughs> I can imagine what it must be like not to have one. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, 
And from a hairdresser's point of view, I mean, you know what you're doing. You're going into a a, a, a hostel or whatever that you know place is, and you know you're cutting hair of homeless people. Um, you know that in a lot of cases they haven't had a shower for weeks. I suppose I'm getting to the hygiene issue of it. How do you yeah. how do you see through that? How do you see past that? How do you just get on with that? Uh, it's it's like anything. People need to be prepared for it. Yeah. So a new time volunteer, we have to really go through and establish, you know, that they ask the right questions. You know, they say, oh, if they look, how do we, how do we wash their hair? And sometimes they're taken aback and we say, well, we can't. You know, if it's a resident, it's some people in resident accommodation and they can shower. Yeah. But if it's if it's a drop-in centre from with street homeless people, they very rarely have washed their hair or have, and there's times when it's literally. You cannot do what we like to do as a great haircut. Yeah. You're doing, you're just doing your best. Yeah. So, you know, if you've got someone whose hair is so matted and tangled that I'm almost toe purating, you know, like I'm yeah. just getting a big comb with some clippers and I'm almost like you do your, your hedge, you know, because I'm yeah. just trying to make, but even that, you, you can still make that right. You can still make them not feel bad about it. Yeah. You can still treat them with respect and show them a bit of love, and then it comes through. Mm. And, and not every time, you know, sometimes people are in such a bad place that day mm. that it, it that they're not they're not going to be happy anyway, mm. you know. Okay. I'll, I'll give you an instance. There was a, there was a guy who was a, and I'm only human, so mm. people get on my nerves, you know. Mm. And I was, I was in a place, and uh, the guy, this guy was kicking off, and he was really, and I was, I got the ump, and I was thinking, like, someone get rid of this this guy, you know. Uh, oh, so I'm going to have to do it. And then eventually someone from the centre got rid of him. And I thought, thank God he's gone, you know. And as we was coming out, he was still outside chatting to someone. And then he, what he said was, and I don't, can I swear on this? Yeah, yeah, if you swear, you swear. Right. Right. I've got to, because what he said, so all I want is a dry pair of fucking shoes. Mm. Right. And I looked, and I didn't realise when he was in there, the guy's... It's, it was pitting the rain. Mm. He's got an old tracksuit on. He's got mm. no shoes and socks on. Yeah. So somehow he's lost his shoes. Yeah. Right. And he was just pleading with them, I just want a pair of dry shoes. Mm. You know? And yeah. you think, ah, I get it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I get you it. thought you had problems. I can't find me comb. I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's that when you think, oh, right, I get it, he's having a bad day. Yeah. Have you, I mean, I'm sure you do have, so I'm asking you to sort of rifle through the memory banks here and tell us the opposite. Tell us about an instant, a story, a person who who you've given them a haircut and it's just changed them it's changed their world it's it's turned them around is there is there anyone that comes to mind yeah there's lots there's lots i mean there's there was a woman i, I did a woman's hair and it, funny enough it, i know you're going to talk about the book later it just just before we'd done our final edits for that and and she says something to me because we've got we've got quotes in the book and and we didn't want lots of writing we wanted just these little powerful statements Mm. And she said to me, I'm only here, you know, because my husband gambled our house away. Mm. I found it so profound that this woman is, is, you know, she was, she was defending herself because I wasn't judging, but she was just saying, look, this isn't my fault. Yeah, yeah. This is out of my hand, you know. Mm. And she was, she, that, then the position she was in led her to go off the rails, which she'd done. And she was just getting herself back. And she said, I can't believe you've come in today. I didn't know you was coming. I've got a job interview tomorrow. And, you know, just by, and she'd managed to wash her hair. So, you know, cut, blow dryer. She, like, you, you could see a lift. There was a lifting. Mm. The shoulders were down, and they gradually lifted up. And the confidence came out. And she was an intelligent woman, you know. And that was, that was, it really struck me that right place, right time. Yeah. Like yeah. we, you know, we really helped that one. Whether I, I didn't find out, you know, if she got the job. Yeah, yeah. But 
you know, you know, they're, they're, I've met, I've done guys, and they've, they've, when I've managed to get in touch with the centre, or when I've gone back, oh, you know, yeah, he he got that job he done his air for, he got the job. Fantastic. Uh, one guy, Jack was talking to, you know, he was seeing his kids for the first time. Mm. He'd not been able to see his kids for two or three years, and so he was. He said, "I feel so much better now. I've had a haircut. When I go and see him, I'm going to look smart." Mm. You know, there's more things. There's there's there, there was a woman when. Her guy, this guy, this lovely chap, um, had been, you know, she was a victim of domestic violence. And we was in the centre and she, she'd just got there and she's from another city. She'd escaped with her life. Because this guy, the, for the final thing for her was he, he covered her in petrol. So he covered her in petrol and he was just sitting in a chair with a lighter and he just kept lighting this lighter. Mm. She's standing standing in front of him covered in petrol and he wouldn't let her go in the shower and he was just and he, he just and in the end he drunk himself to a stupor fell asleep she got what money she could and she got out because you know this was her last chance before he killed her mm. you know and and that she was sort of my sister was there and she was edging towards my sister and she got closer and closer and it took her all session before she said oh can i get my haircut because mm. this guy had let her have her haircut for seven years because he totally financially dominated her as well so she yeah. wasn't allowed to go and get, you know, none of these things. And she had sort of long, straggly hair. And I was just done a lovely little bob, pure and simple. But mm. it, it, I, I can't, I can't put into words the effect that that little touch of kindness helped that woman. You know, I felt it. I, I, I felt mm. it coming up. I felt that a man, particularly a man as well, had shown mm. us some kindness and mm. softness and gentleness. And it was aliens what she'd been used to. So, um, yeah, that's they're the, they're the ones that you know you've really, really done something for someone. Yeah. I, I, I'm surprised you talked about a couple of women there. I had this preconceived idea that the majority of them would be men. So there's quite a few women in this situ yeah. situation. Yeah. Well, well the thing is uh, that women are the invisible homeless because a lot of the women aren't, you know, it's safe for them to not be in, in the public. Uh, majority, majority of homeless centres, it is men. Mm -hmm. um, but we, a lot of what we do, uh, haircuts for homeless, we, we it initially was all about that, but we've, we've expanded over the years or we've, you know, diversified to the point where we go to quite a lot of women's refuges and right. safe houses and mm -hmm. that, which you don't see because we have to keep that private. Yeah. So... That's probably on our socials, you won't see as many, but sure, those ones are, are not, you know, we don't obviously photograph and that, mm. um, but there's a lot of them out there, you know. Yeah, okay. So it, it's incredible how it started with you just doing that, thinking you'd just do this occasionally, pop down there with your scissors, and and, yeah. and you said before that there's now, what, what did you say? You've got 65 different projects all around the country? No, no it's not. It was number 80. 80, you've got 80, so 80 different places where yeah. Haircuts for the Homeless, your charity, is yeah. manned by volunteer hairdressers on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah? That's, yeah. that's incredible. Volunteers. 600, yeah, 600 volunteers. 600 volunteers. Yeah. yeah, and, and you, you mentioned something before. Um, I mean, bearing in mind we've got an international audience, they won't all know what it is that you mean, and you dropped in the word something like national lottery. Uh, you said something about the national lottery, oh, yeah. and that was a turning point. What 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 did you mean by that? What what happened? Yeah, sorry for for anyone else. It's the the uh, I think a lot of countries have got a lottery, uh, you know, or a, a lotto, or a, you know, we, we we've got the national lottery run by Camelot. Um, I don't know if they still run it now. Yeah, but they they they. I did a talk for their executives, um, and then they changed. Um, what do you call it, PR agents or something. And it was the, the guys who've done the John Lewis adverts, Christmas stuff. Yeah. And they said, you need to stop focusing on the big prizes and start focusing on they, they do, They do donate £30 million a week to good causes. Okay. Yeah. So said, you need to share about that more, you know. And we was the example of one of the, one of the people that, that, that benefit from some of the funding. Um and the film, yeah. I've never seen anything like it. It was a 60-second advert, and it took two days to film over two different uh, locations that we work at. Yeah. And, uh, you know, massive film crews and all that. But this little 60-second um, 
thing. Commercial. Commercial, yeah. commercial, yeah. But how did that impact on haircuts for the homeless? What, what, did, what was the benefit of that? Was it just creating awareness? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, no, you know, at that point, we was we were sort of localised. Even though it was all over the UK, yeah. it was only sort of social media spread. But this the power of TV is incredible. So overnight, we sort of, uh, at that point, whatever it was, we very quickly doubled the amount of volunteers that came on board. You know, we doubled the amount of venues that we opened in the following year. Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah, it just, it's, it really does hit you. Yeah. Funny enough, it, it was the, the, the night that I had to close my salon was the same night. And I was, I weren't, I just done this video thing where I poignantly turned the lights off and <laughs> for the last time and yeah. stuck it on. Facebook and it, it, there again it was a, I don't know what I was even thinking doing that but what it did do it helped a lot of people because a lot of people messaged me after um, and said we are so struggling and like a salon like yours we was perceivably a very successful one mm. and uh, if, if you if you've gone under it makes us realize that you know we're, we're not far away ourselves and that you know it, mm. it, it inspires us to do better or you know all that stuff yeah, yeah. Uh, but the same night that they aired the TV commercial, um, so my my world fell apart, and then my then a few hours later we was on primetime TV in the Saturday evening. Yeah, uh, and the phone went off the hook, and I just sat turning it off because I I couldn't mentally process it all. Yeah, so, so you I, I didn't realize that. So you had the salon going at the same time. You were leading this double life. You had the salon going, and you were doing haircuts for the homeless. And then the salon closed because the rent got doubled yeah. and you got this big promotional ad on prime TV for haircuts for the homeless. And then on the yeah. back end of that, you were flooded with all these inquiries and massive support yeah. from different avenues. So is this, is haircuts for the homeless like a full-time job for you now? Yeah, it's uh, well, it's a registered charity now. Yeah. So um, do you, do you, do you do all the coordinating when you talk about 600 volunteers and, and 80 venues or whatever it was, do you, do you coordinate all that or is someone else doing that? Well, it's me and my sister. So right. we've done too good a job. So everyone thinks we're this massive people find out and they think we're this massive charity, like mine yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And they yeah. go, can we speak to your marketing department? I go, yeah, you are. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> your admin department. Yeah, that's my sister. And, you know, like, it, yeah. And that's why sometimes we, we get a hard time occasionally, like, well, well, I emailed you three weeks ago, I'm not had a reply. It's like, yeah, we're doing our best, but yeah. we're a tiny little charity, yeah. you know. What was nice when we, we became um, a fully registered charity was that we have to, my sister keeps uh, account of the books, and um, but we, we, then we got trustees, and it meant that we, I, we then didn't have to really worry about the money and all that stuff. So... That's overlooked by trustees. It's mm. all, you know, everything's triple checked. Um, um, and we can just concentrate on doing the work. Yeah. Um, which is is really what I want to do. I didn't want to, I didn't want to get another business. I didn't want to be, mm. I want to be out there. All the while I can be out there doing the work, I'm okay. Yeah. If I end up behind the desk, unless I'm, you know, even older and I can't mm. physically do it. But, but you, you know, have to. You personally and your sister obviously have to make a living. So is there, are there sponsors behind it that enable you to yeah. run this charity? Because you yeah, know, you can't. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I get. I get. I, I. I'm very open about it, all, and and you have to be. You know, yeah. to be crystal clear. I get paid to do four days a week, hmm. um, uh, which then I, uh, which I do. Uh, a couple of days Friday, Saturday, I do some clients that are left over from my business. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's that's run as a you know a private a mobile hairdresser type sure. business. Yeah. Uh, okay. To, to top up my wage, but it's not you know I'm right. not Ferrari. Yeah, no, I'm sure uh, you're not. So so yeah, so I mean, it does three days. So yeah. it's been meant we could, we could we could give those full days and we we do so much we do we do a lot more than that we're often yeah. like on a saturday and a monday and everywhere i'm else, sure you know, like, i'm sure it's uh, the nature of it isn't uh, it? Yeah. yeah it just meant you could you could you could you could stay doing it you know um and that's why we're very very cheap charity you know like uh we run across the whole of uk and ireland and 
Uh, it's relatively a small amount, but we've got two fantastic sponsors, uh, L'Oreal and uh, Zanotti, who yeah. account for 50% of our what we need for the year. Yeah. And we've just got a business plan together now where we're sending out as, um, sponsors so that we've got different levels. So gold, silver, you know, yeah. even that's like a small thing of just having your name on our website. Mm -hmm. uh, and the more, the, the, the more you can help us, the more we put out, put your amongst everything. Sure. So we've got something doing that now. So tell us about the book. Um, you mentioned the book a minute ago. Yeah. And uh, I've got I've got a copy of it here. It's a fantastic. It's about just you tell us the story about how this book came about because it's a beautiful coffee table book of homeless people that you have worked yeah. with and a great photographer and everything. So give us the give us the backstory on that. Well, I, I had a, a session stylist with me called Lee Keats. Um, he's he's a fantastic session stylist. He does a lot of stars and all that. Um, he come and volunteered. Lovely guy. He then introduced me to, he was friends with a guy called Jack Eames as a photographer. He came along as well around about that same time. I can't remember his first, but he, he um, Jack came for the first session and he fitted in so well. Cause I've had some, we've had some photographers and a little bit of filming, my TV and BBC and that sort of come to us, but it did, some of them have not got the right attitude. Mm. Uh, sometimes they're very invasive, you know, you got, like it's sensitive you know like um, they don't want cameras pushed in their face and jack's like a gentle giant he's about six foot six he's um such a lovely well-spoken he reminds me of um uh dylan off the magic roundabout sorry that really is english <laughs> you know he's like yeah okay bro you know okay he's right lovely he's a lovely gentleman yeah. and uh the first session he came he just sat and listened and he didn't take any photographs, he just absorbed. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why you need someone like Jack who's going to not be in your face. And he just takes things from afar. And he's developed it where now, even sometimes for the book you'll see, he sets up a little backdrop and does prop. And so many homeless people, they love it. Mm -hmm. They love to be seen. Some yeah, are yeah. very private. Yeah, of course. Some are like, some are like you know, and I say, is it, what, is it cool to take a photograph or you're just like, No, mate, you can't take no photos of me. Oh, I'm wanted all over the place. I can't, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I can't, I can't, people are after me, you know, and they go, Oh, well, fair play. But yeah, uh, but some love it, you know, and they love it and they get in front of the camera and he, he lights them up. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's what the book was called. The podcast is called hear me, see me, because that's what I felt about people needed. Yeah. And then someone said you should call the book that. Yeah, well, no one, I, that, that's it. You've, you've, you've just preempted what I was about to say uh, in that you have a podcast uh, as well. So, um, yeah. and the podcast is called Hear Me, See Me. And I, I was just going to start talking about it because you have an incredible podcast. Um, and for all the people that are listening to this, uh, when you've listened to mine, then make sure you go and check his out because this podcast, Hear Me, See Me, it'll make you laugh and it will make you cry. It, 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 you'll see the yeah. best and the worst of humanity um, uh, or, un, or yeah, you'll be exposed to the very best and the very worst of, of, of life. Um, but I tell you what, it is the most, you know, it, it will not leave you feeling bored by any stretch of the imagination. So tell me about the podcast. How did the podcast come about? Because it's not, it's not a podcast just about homeless people. It's 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 a podcast. It's a podcast about all sorts of people, but it's it's just full of real life and and just yeah. amazing characters. I mean, I was listening to one today. I think it's the the latest episode out, which is with a you know a Hollywood actress. But then there's also you know there's heroin addicts that you've had on there, and and I know the lady you just alluded to who was the domestic abuse survivor, and now she's gone and started up her own, um, am I right in saying that? She started up her own charity or her own refuge for homeless women. I think I'm right in saying that. Um, uh, and there, there was two, yeah, there was, because there was Dawn and Danielle, and one has opened up a, um, a, a, a holiday camp, not holiday camp, a, a camp where people all go in the yeah. summer. Yeah. And they're all, 
they're all in the same position so they all relate to each other they don't know each other but they all get to know each other and it's for the women and the children yeah she's, i you know, that, that okay. was danielle so the other one i think was denise yeah who uh she's she's yeah she's set up a lot of stuff yeah well just a girl yeah just a girl that yeah is. if you listen if you listen to that and it doesn't bring you to a sobbing mess there's something wrong with you <laughs> you know like yeah. it, it's incredible yeah. it's incredible listening to the lives of these people so i encourage yeah. everybody i mean i, I mean I, it's hard to pick a favorite i was we were talking before we started recording and i loved the one where you were talking to the the scottish heroin addict and how yeah. he turned his life around was just so inspiring yeah. and and uh, the one with the thai uh prison nightmare <laughs> where i think it was a guy called stephen kelly who you know, yeah. was busted for doing drugs, an Englishman busted for doing drugs in Thailand, locked up in yeah. Thailand. I mean, what a story that was. Um, yeah. I mean, just so many stories yeah. that are just incredible to listen to. So so, so, how did that all come about? I mean, I know obviously there's at the beginning, you you, you do talk to different people, you know, who are in the, the homeless uh, charity side of things, but it's peppered with all these other situations as well. So uh, let me not put words into your mouth. Just tell us the, the, the story behind how the podcast came about. Purely because I was doing lots of this stuff. So I, I, was, I was a guest on quite a few podcasts um, probably after the TV advert when we yeah. got like, known quite a lot. Um, and then, you know, I was guest a lot and I just thought at some point, um, I'll meet so many incredible people that I should, uh, I should do my own. Probably yeah. a lot of people. They, they're, they're one of you as a guest and they think they should do their own. And originally my train, my, my first idea was to do it with my guests. So, and I did try it a few times, but, it was so chaotic and um you know uh you could you couldn't really I, and i was really conscious of it not being uh exploitative mm -hmm. i didn't want to, i didn't want to have the homeless people as entertainment you know and it was mm. i was finding it hard not to be yeah not to not to use it in that way so i, I went straight away to then doing the people who work in the homeless centers Mm -hmm. they've all got stories so the first one was Sonia who works at the Whitechapel Mission and um you know and then brother Kevin who has inspired me so much for his work with the homeless in Dublin and then there was some of the team leaders that worked with me and then there was people I knew so our ambassador was Lena Headey from Eastland, Lena Headey from Game of Thrones and you know and then it just led to other things and people knew people would introduce me or I'm always on the hunt so anyone I see that's, you know, I get knocked back a lot. Mm. But even then, we got our, our uh, ambassador, Lena Heady, I slipped in her DMs. Mm. You know, why not? I said, would you be our ambassador? And then she, uh, she came on. She's been on it three times. Um, and then it's just, it's just coming across people. And, you know, even like this one, I've got, I've got Terry Waite coming on. I can't wait. And, uh, you know, it's purely because one of our team leaders was at a homeless centre. He's the patron of the charity. She cut his hair. And I quickly said to her, get his number. Mm. And, and <laughs> so, so for our listeners who don't know who Terry Waite is, he was held hostage by... Who, who was he? He was in, he was in captivity for a couple was, of years, wasn't he? Yeah, a good couple of years. I think it was Iran, wasn't it? I've got to look up was, and sure find out yeah. this before. Though. Yeah, yeah, you want to be home. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not really good at doing that normally, but uh, I'm definitely going to do it for this one. I don't want to mention the wrong country. Or something yeah, like exactly. Yeah. He, he was chained to radiate, and he was he was an Emma, he was an envoy from uh, he was a, he was um, a religious man, you know. So yeah. he was a religious and peace envoy, mm. and they captured him, and they wouldn't mm. let him go, you know. So it's a it, at the world at the time. It, it just it was such a big story, and. Uh, yeah, I'm so looking forward to that, you know. Yeah. You... I, there was one, sorry, just quickly, there was one I, I was so purely, I saw on um, on a podcast in America and I managed to get through to her and, and she agreed. And she's Shanda Sodoa um, and she was um, a, a lady from the Philippines who's a, a really well-educated businesswoman and then 
the, the, the economy got really down, so she just said she was going to go off to America uh, to, and what she thought was a business trip. And she got um, taken in as a, into the sex trade, sex trafficking. And, and literally was not one of these naive people. She really thought she was going to, to work in, um, in hotels. Yeah. And, it, you know, and her story, and she ended up being sex trafficked. And in the end, when she finally escaped, she ended up working uh, as an envoy on sex trafficking um, with, with the, uh, at the White House. You know, and it's but that all wow. that was was I. It was Instagram. I just mm. went, look, I love your story. Will you come on? Mm. So if people can do it. You can, you know. Every every nine that say no, one might say yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, you you mentioned that you don't want to be invasive. I'm always, you know, some of the ones I mentioned before, like Paul Bogey and 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 Stephen Kelly. Uh, it was like you hardly got a word in edgeways. They were really happy to tell their story in all its graphic detail, and uh, yeah. and and that's what sort of made it good was that you did just sit back and literally push the button and and you know steer them in the right direction because they were they were phenomenal they were absolutely phenomenal I was I was yeah. just thinking that especially well well both of them you can make a movie out of either of them about out of the yeah. you know their, their life it's like you listen to that and you go oh my god this is a, this is this would be the best movie going you know um Stephen needs to be made into a film I think Stephen yeah. he he need yeah that, that needs to be a film yeah, yeah do, do do you have a favorite I mean I know you've just celebrated your one hundredth uh, podcast episode. Uh, so congratulations on that. Out, out of a hundred, is there is there one that has stood out to you as being that as my absolute favourite? Brother Kevin, which brother one? Kevin, brother Kevin, brother Kevin, all day long, yeah, all day long. Okay, that man has taught me so much, you know, about humility. Um, as I said, like we spoke before about him, and um, you know, he, he he's the personification of humility and generousness mm. and and even you know like the, the times i've spoken to him um there was a time the biggest thing lesson he ever gave me was it's hard not to judge well i think as a right as a human kind we tend to be we've developed at this sort of judgmental side of us that we you know we all put people in boxes and we we judge people and, and um and I get asked all the time, yeah, but what if they're faking it? What if they just want a free haircut? And I spoke to him about that. And he said one time they was giving out food. The, the, the Capuchin Day Centre, please everyone look it up. They feed between six and 800 people a day in Dublin. Mm. They have uh, sessions where they give out nappies and things to young mums and all, all this stuff. And a woman pulled up in a car and she came across the road and she come and got some food and she was just leaving. And Brother Kevin said to her, look, can I just ask, if you've got a car, why do you need to come in and get food from us? And she said, I'm so sorry, Brother Kevin. It's my last time my husband beat me. He beat me so bad, I thought he was going to kill me. So I got the kids, got in the car and left. So all we've got with us is what we've got in the car and we're living in the car at the moment. Mm. He said, get the kids, bring them inside. He said he got them clothes, shoes, you know, and they left with everything they needed. Mm. And he said, I've never asked anyone again. He said, if they're hungry, I will feed them. Mm. And I took so much, the airs on my hands. That's, every time I say that, it gets me because there's something about the, the, the pure generosity of giving and, and, and not judging. And, and of course, there'll be people who take advantage. But you don't do it for the twenty percent that take advantage. You do it for the eighty percent who really need it. Yeah, um, yeah. That's that's why he's my favourite. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I, I'll I'll put the links to the podcast, etc., uh, in my show Thank notes, you. and I will make sure that I listen to the one with Brother Kevin tomorrow while I'm walking the dog. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that, that that'll be exciting. Um, we're, we we're going to have to start sort of wrapping up shortly, but I just want to ask you a couple of. You know, short, yep. sharp questions here. Um, what would you say was your biggest strength? I do get up again. You do get up again? Mm. I do get up again. Okay, good. 
So you get knocked down, but yeah. you get back up again. Yeah, that's good. I, I like that. Okay. Um, what drives you? Why do you do this? Oh, why to do anything? I think I'm. I think I'm trying to make good. Done a lot. I've done a lot of bad stuff. Um, and what drives me is is, is to, to redress the balance and to inspire my children and my grandchildren, mm. you know. And um, so far it's working. Good. Well, yeah, you are doing a lot of good, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, last thing I wanted to ask you about was, wh what is the biggest lesson that you've learned in life? can be about hairdressing or can be nothing to do with hairdressing. And I, I doubt that it will have anything to do with hairdressing, but you've met some really interesting people. You've been, you've been exposed to a lot. Um, so what would be one bit of wisdom that you'd like to pass on to people? My favorite one is uh, you can look back at the past, but don't stare. Um, because you can't change that. Mm. You can change moving forward. And it does it does well to look look backwards sometimes to to see how far you've come, mm. not to take yourself back and punish yourself. So it's all about learning from the the past, and then educating yourself to move forward. Yeah. Okay, that's good. All right. Okay, so listen, we do need to wind up now. Whereabouts can people connect with you on Instagram or other social media channels? Uh, Instagram, we're Haircuts for Homeless UK, I think. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but it's the number four. <laughs> the, it, it is, it is the number four. Yeah, Haircuts hair, hair oh. number four, yeah. Homeless number four. UK. Got it. Okay, UK. that's on, that's on yeah, Instagram. Yeah. And, and yeah, your yeah. website? Website is haircutsforhomeless.com. Right. Okay, so those two things. Right. Those two things, yeah, yeah that, that's yeah, right. Thing. Yeah, if you go on haircutsfamous.com, it's got where you can email us and, you know, all of that stuff. Where The email is info at haircutsfamous.com, so if you want to email us. Um, but, yeah, yeah, check us out, uh, see what we're up to. Good. And, uh, you know, join us. Great. Join okay. us in the fight. <laughs> good, good. All right. Well, look, I'll put those links uh, on our website in the show notes yeah. for today's podcast. Uh, can I ask you, if you're listening to this podcast with Stuart Roberts and have enjoyed it, then do me a favor, take a screenshot on your phone, share it to Instagram stories, and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review on the Apple podcast app. Uh, so to wrap up, Stuart, thank you ever so much for giving up your time today to be on the Grow My Salon Business podcast. My, my, my pleasure. My absolute pleasure. Great. Thanks, mate. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.